Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. As we've been walking through this, Jesus had previously commanded the winds and the waves to obey him by bringing peace on the Sea of Galilee when that terrible storm arose and they were in a boat. Next, he healed a demoniac man by casting out demons into a bunch, a a herd of swine or pigs. And they committed suicide by drowning themselves by running off of a cliff. Now Jesus gets into a boat again to go on the other side of that lake. And there was a crowd when Jesus was healing. There was always a crowd. They always wanted something from him. It was not because they loved him. It was not because they were devoted to him. It's because they wanted something from him. You see, desperate people needing Jesus will reach out to him when they see him. So as we look at our text, the first thing we see is that desperation will drive you to Jesus. Desperation will drive you to Jesus. We see in verse 21, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake when a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then the leader of the local synagogue, so the Jewish synagogue, one of the very people that were against Jesus, The leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently. He's not like, hey man, can you hook me up? He was at his feet, begging with him. He says, my little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her so she can live. This man literally saw his daughter's life hanging in the balance with Jesus being the one that could help her. Jesus went with him and all of the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Not to be crass, but for those of you that don't understand that, especially men, basically what has happened is is that she had constantly had her menstruation cycle for 12 years. She was desperate for help. I know most of you women would say, I bet she was. I'm sure her husband wasn't Wasn't a cakewalk for him either, but nowhere as near as it was for the lady. But she had suffered a great deal for many doctors. So what what do we see from these passages? We see, number one, Jairus was desperate. Now, I mean desperate to heal his daughter. He was desperate for Jesus' power to heal his daughter. All of you in here that have children that are in her family, I know if your children are hurting, you will do what? Ever it takes to make sure that they're okay. Now think about it. Jarius, he led worship services in the synagogue and he was the school's headmaster. He was the caretaker of the synagogue as well. He was up there. He faced political pressure from the Pharisees to not heed to Jesus' teachings. Jairus would not have thought much of Jesus. If if Jesus had come through and his 12-year-old daughter was well, 
he would have probably been just as biased and just as hateful toward Jesus. But what made him desperate was the fact that his daughter was dying and the doctors could do nothing. He was quickly running out of time and desperate for Jesus to help. All of his wealth, all of his power, all of his position could not save his daughter. I know what it's like when your loved one is sick and you, you think to yourself, if only I could have been the one that was sick. When you see your babies that are sick, you put that on me, God. Take it away from them. That's where this father was. And it didn't matter what his job was. It didn't matter what people thought of him. He knew that Jesus was his answer. And he was desperate for his power because he had already heard about him calming the waves. He had already heard about him healing a demoniac. So his reputation was following. He said, if, if this Jesus could do all of these, surely he can do this. And the bleeding woman was desperate for Jesus' power to heal her body. She had spent everything she had on medical bills with no cure. Now, another thing to think about when, when a female was in that situation and her body was doing that, they were considered unclean. That means they could not go to worship. Husbands could not have relations with her. And she would be deemed as unclean and told basically to stay home. Much like the coronavirus, I guess. You just got to stay home. If she was married, she could not have intimacy with her husband. Possibly no children. All of her doctors could not heal her from her condition. And she was living in chronic pain. Some of you in here know what it's like to live with chronic pain. Maybe you have arthritis or some other type of condition. Or every time it rains, your knee swells up the size of a softball. It's hard to think in pain, isn't it? It's hard to be rational when your whole body aches. But yet she knew in the midst of this, she needed Jesus' power. We see also in this passage that desperation will push you past your fears. Desperation will push you past your fears. Jarius, he feared pushback from other contemporaries that were opposed to Jesus and his ministry. It would be like one campaign aide for one candidate going to help the other candidate. In some circles, if you are a Trump fan, then you are lauded as, as a patriot. You are lauded as someone who loves the Lord and loves Jesus, and others will brand you as a domestic terrorist. If you say, well, I'm all about Biden, some people will praise you for that, about all the things that he's doing, and then there are others that will think, well, y'all are backing the the Antichrist. There's no winning. And so for Jarius to back Jesus, for Jarius to lay down in a humble position and to beg at his feet and pray Fervently, Jesus saved my daughter. He was swallowing every bit of pride that he had. He didn't care about his position. He didn't care about his wallet. He didn't care about what people thought about him. He didn't care about his political affiliation. He didn't care about his future. All he knew that his daughter was dying and she needed Jesus. The fear of Jarius losing his daughter was greater than his fears of losing his title, his job, and his social standing. Because desperation draws you to Jesus' greater power. Desperation draws you to Jesus' 
greater power. A daughter who was dying and no one believed there was anything that could be done for her. There are people that you may know. You may be that person today that you feel like nobody can do anything for me. I've tried everything. Nobody can help me. I've been to the doctors. I've been this. I've done that. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. And I'm still in the same situation. Have you cried out to Jesus in desperation and received his power? You see, the fear of the bleeding woman was that her last hope, Jesus, was right before her. And maybe her last chance at getting healing. She went to the doctors to get better, but only suffered worse and became poor. Luke, the physician, also tells us that she had spent her entire livelihood on physicians. There was no backup plan. There was no retirement fund. There was no padding of just in case. She had spent all of her resources to get better and could not. She had nothing left. Her medical bills had robbed her and her family of almost everything. Some of you know what that's like. You see, failing health, having no money, being outcast, all she had was Jesus. Can you or have you felt the weight of this woman's desperation? I mean, we can go into Bible study mode and we say, I'll preach on, brother, let's go to the next verse. But do you do you dare take a moment to feel the weight of this woman's desperation? Do you take a moment to feel the weight of Jairus' desperation as his daughter is dying in his hands and he can't do anything about it? Here's a question I have for you. Do you know what it's like to be desperate enough? That you are ready to push past your fears and trust Jesus. Do you really know what it's like to be desperate enough that you are ready to push past your fears and trust Jesus? If you say no, your day's coming, my friend. I don't mean that. As, I don't mean that as a, a a you better watch out. I mean that as praise God, your day is coming to where you will realize that at the end of the day, you need Jesus more than you need anything else. If you've not been there, one day you will be. We all have stories of desperation. Those who cry out to Jesus having stories of his undeniable power. Even these precious children you've seen go out to children's church. There have been much prayer over those those children. And many of them, it was not easy. But they're here. They are an example of Jesus' power in healing grace. Ask your parents about it. They'll tell you. You see, Jesus' power always defeats fear when you trust Him. Jesus' power always defeats fear when you trust Him. It says in verse 27, She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind Him through the crowd. She wiggled through the crowd, touched His robe. Some translations say, just the hem of His garment. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch His robe, I will be healed. And what does it say in verse 29? Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. The cramps were gone. The pain was gone. The embarrassment was gone. Immediately. 
Jesus realized at once the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Now, I got to believe that Jesus, since he was God, fully knew who touched his robe. But he was about to make an example out of the woman that touched his robe. And notice it says that he just he realized that the healing power had left him. His disciples, the people that are closest to him, the people that will eventually die for him. His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? Other tra- other versions of this and other gospels actually show the disciples tell it, shooing the woman away. It says in verse 32, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Can you imagine how frightened that woman is? She touches his garment. She's healed and she's happy. But all of a sudden he said, who did that? That's a precarious position to be in, isn't it? Well, we read it says that she was trembling. Verse 33, then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and noticed this. Her response to Jesus is the very same response that Jairus had. Came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, shame on you, you should have never done that. No, he does not say that. He says, daughter, in other words, you are mine, you are in my family now. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. He wanted to acknowledge that she was restored. She was no longer unclean. She was no longer an outcast. She was no longer in pain. She was a child of God. You see, Jesus' power always defeats fear when you trust Him. And there are some of you that you are holding on to whatever that is because that's that one thing that you don't want to let go of and that's the one thing that Jesus is asking you of and you're afraid to trust Him because you fear of what might happen if you do. My greater fear would be what happens if you don't? It talked about the power of Jesus. The word there is dunamis. Which is where we get the word dynamite from. This is, this is that kind of power in verse 30 where it says once Jesus realized his healing power had gone from him. The definition of that would be inherent power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature or which a person or thing exerts and puts forth. What does that mean in regular terms? What I want to tell you is this power was not some kind of hoodoo magical potion or some kind of extra little little uh, accessory that he had that he could dole out, it was just him. It was just his power. It's who he is. It resides in him. It is generated from him. It is him. It is the power of God. And it is just there all the time for you to access, for those around us to access. And Jesus' power was not something that he generated. It was in him all the time. This means that the same power is available to all of us who reach out to him today. Both Jairus and the bleeding woman fell at Jesus' feet. But some people are just too stinking proud to do that. Maybe it's because you're not desperate enough yet. Please don't make God take you to that point. 
But if you do, I hope you remember this passage. Jairus reached out with his words and the bleeding woman reached out with her hand. One of the reasons she tried to do it secretly was because, again, she was unclean. She was supposed to touch no one. Both were desperate and pleading for the touch of Jesus. Jairus wanted Jesus' touch to heal his daughter. And the woman wanted Jesus' touch to heal her body. What do they have in common? Both demonstrated their faith in Jesus. Both decided that living the rest of their lives with Jesus' power was better than living in the consequences without it. I want you to write that down. I want you to see that. And I want you to understand the ramifications of that. They decided that it was better to live with Jesus' power than the consequences of living without it. Your families need the power of Jesus. Your bodies and your spirits need the power of Jesus. This community needs the power of Jesus. This world needs the power of Jesus. But unfortunately, too many times that will only come at desperations. Again, even the disciples did not fully understand who Jesus was. And then the third thing that we see is that desperation leads us to life and death. Desperation leads us to life and death. It says in verse 35, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. To make it real, it would be like you're in the hospital room and all of a sudden, the machines are turned off. All of a sudden, the heart monitor flatlines. And all hope is gone of any life. So here they have the messengers come, Jairus, he just took too long, man. Sorry. She's gone. What hope is that? And some of you are in here today and you think that your situation is hopeless. Just like Jairus' daughter. But my friend, do not believe the lie of the devil. But Jesus overheard them in verse 35. And what did he say? Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Just have faith means, I I know it doesn't make sense. And I know you can't figure it out. But trust me and have faith. You see, here's the thing I want you to understand with this, my friends. You may think nobody, nobody understands the point of desperation you've been in or are in currently. But my friend, Jesus does. Even better than your mama and your daddy and your phone circle and your Facebook friends and all these other people. Jesus knows your desperation. Then Jesus stopped in verse 37. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. These were his three closest disciples that he was mentoring. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion, weeping, and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion of weeping? Basically what would happen back in those days, and we see this 
in other instances of the Bible where people are dead and Jesus walks up. There were people that were basically paid mourners. You can make a living crashing a wedding and cry and moan and wail. And the more people you had at your funeral doing that was the, the people thought that's how much more popular that person is. So if you're a family and you have somebody that people didn't really like, you could hire mourners.com and they would go and they would show up to the funeral and they would woo and wail. And everybody said, oh, that person was really loved. And so Jesus is saying, stop this mockery. Stop all this, this shenanigans. The state fair is gone. Stop all of this. Stop all this commotion and weeping. The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The human eyes and the human experience saw that she was dead. But in Jesus and his power, she was only sleeping. You think that you're dead. You think that your situation is too big. But my friends, you're not dead. It's just asleep waiting Jesus' power to bring it to life again. We see desperation in our situation. Jesus sees the results of His power. When you sit there and you look at the last bit of dirt put on the top, of a grave of one of your loved ones. For those that do not know Christ, all you can say is, well, we'll see what happens. In the midst of that desperation and in that grief, well, we did the best we can. We'll, we'll, it's kind of like a, a gambling game. We'll, we'll, we'll bet our odds and see what happens next. It's a very desperate situation. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, though it may not happen tomorrow, though it may not happen now like you wish it would, one day it will. The dead in Christ will rise because of Jesus' power. And we will meet them in the air because of Jesus' power. We will be resurrected into our heavenly bodies because of Jesus' power. So when you see death and separation in their grave, Jesus says, they're not dead, they're just asleep. Because of my power. Verse 40. The crowd laughed at him. But he made, a, he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and the three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Now let's just take just a moment. This dark room. Jesus taking Jairus and his wife by the hand. And the three disciples. They go in this room. And there is this precious little girl. Looks dead to everybody. Just put that picture in your mind. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Naum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old, immediately, again the word immediately, she got up. And they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. So not only is Jesus worried about her life, he's worried about making sure she gets nutrients as well. In both cases, the pleas that those two made were answered immediately. You see, this morning your desperation is not... Desperation to Jesus. 
It is an opportunity for him to show you his power. Maybe it's spiritual restoration. Maybe it's physical restoration. Maybe it's social restoration. Yeah. All the people that gave Jairus a hard time about trusting Jesus with his daughter. What are they going to say when he walks into the next meeting at the synagogue holding his daughter's hand? How do you explain that? The power of Jesus. Then we see three ways desperation builds faith. This was taken. uh, Chuck Swindoll made a study Bible and I thought it was really cool. So I'm kind of paraphrasing it here. But he makes three observations about this portion of scripture that I want to share with you. One, humility must replace skepticism. Humility must replace skepticism. We must reach a point of desperation. Jairus was no longer a proud leader in the synagogue looking proper and official. He'd become a humble, broken daddy whose daughter was dying. He was desperate. His skepticism was overtaken by humility. Next, the second thing is when Jesus delays, it does not mean he is not at work, my friends. When Jesus delays, it does not mean he is not at work. Matter of fact, Luke's account tells us that Jairus' daughter was 12. And if you remember a few minutes ago when we read about the bleeding woman, how long did she have her bleeding problem? 12 years. 12-year-old girl, 12-year-old woman was a problem. Some of you have got prayers that have been going on 12 years that have not been answered yet. Hang on. Just because he hadn't answered them doesn't mean that he's not working on them. Turns out, Jesus was right on time for both of them. Sometimes it takes a while for everything to get prepared. The process of waiting is is excruciating. I know that. But trusting Jesus' timing will benefit you not only in the moment to turn your panic into faith. So, are you worried about your child? Over time, can God make it possible for you to learn not to worry as you continue to surrender the situation to the Lord? Ultimately, you'll find bit by bit, year by year, that God is in charge and He is sovereign in your child's life even when that child is grown. My mom would tell me, even late in her life, you're still not too big for me not to turn you over my knee, James. I believe it. <laughs> She's a fiery little woman. Are you worried about your friend who was lost? Don't worry. God has never met his match. And the third thing we see is that for faith to replace our fears, we got to steer clear of the naysayers. Notice it said in verse 40 that when the crowd laughed at Jesus, he made them all leave. My friend, if you've got a negative Nancy in your life, I would encourage you to separate yourself from that person. If you've got a one-upper in your life, it doesn't matter what you're going through, they've gone through it worse. Don't put your eggs in that basket. If you've got somebody who says, well, Jesus must have forgotten you. Why are you going to church? Why are you doing all this? Obviously, if he was going to do something, he'd have done it by now. Don't you let them steal your joy. Don't you let them rob you of your faith. And don't you let them rob you of the blessing that is right around the corner. 
Look at your friends. When you start running with those who really trust God, see what an amazing impact it has on you. Finally, desperation brings you to the feet of Jesus. Desperation brings you to the feet of Jesus. If you are not desperate for Jesus, my friends, one day you will be. If not today, maybe tomorrow. Maybe next year, maybe next decade. Maybe not until Judgment Day. But isn't it nice to know that these two who feared other people gave it up in their desperation and they went to Jesus for the remedy. My friend, no matter what your situation is today, it begins and it ends with Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word. The Lord, there may be somebody in here today that is desperate. And you know the situation. And maybe they don't know you as the Savior and Lord. If there's one person here today that would say, look, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of worrying about what people think. And I'm just going to fall at the feet of Jesus and to let him have control of my life. Today is the day. If that is you, my friend, I encourage you to walk forward. I will pray with you and we will make sure that the day you leave changed. And that change happens immediately. Or maybe you've just got a prayer request that has made you desperate. I want you to remember today that Jesus has got this. You're welcome to come to the altar and pray. I will pray with you. We've got plenty of time left. This invitation is for you to respond.